Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Fife Dangerfield. It's a great chat. I've been wanting to chat to Fife ever since I set up this podcast. It's uh, The Guillemots were uh, a, a huge band for me, and so it was just super exciting when I got a, an email saying, would I be interested in talking to Fife? So uh, what you're about to hear is that conversation, and it's cracking. Before we get on with that, just quickly, um, a big thank you to Scroobius Pip uh, and my friends at the Distraction Pieces Network. Go check out all the podcasts over there because there's some wonderful podcasts there. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast, who's doing a, a stellar job at the moment with um, all of these kind of Zoom audios. He's doing his best to ensure you'll get a, a lovely sounding podcast that's recorded remotely. Um, and if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then um, why not uh, go and check out the, the back catalogue when you finish with my uh, chat with Fife, because there's some wonderful chats available. You can hear me talking to artists as diverse as Chuck D, to... Tommy Lee of Motley Crew, through to the Foo Fighters, through to Fatboy Slim. There's there's bundles. Go and have a look. There's there's over 250 episodes uh, with actors, DJs, producers, musicians, comedians. Go and go and have a rummage in the archives, and I'm sure you'll find some ace chats. And if you'd like to support Off the Beat and Track podcast, then you can do that uh, on my Patreon page, and uh, you can find out all about that. And you can find out about the back catalogue at your one-stop shop, which is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, I know why you're here, and let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Fife Dangerfield. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. We are recording... Uh, good afternoon, Fife. How are you doing? Uh, uh, hello, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> good, good. Well, look, before we talk records, let's get the, uh, the, the, the obvious chat out of the way. Um, how have you found the last, the last year, mate, as, as both a creative and, and, and a human being? It has been um, the maddest combination of highs and lows. I mean, I've had a lot of stuff going on personally anyway. You know, which I won't go into here, but uh, but it's been it's been a time of a lot of change and uh, highs and lows in my own personal life. Anyway, um, 
And I think in any circumstances, I would have found that like quite by turns exhilarating and challenging. But against the backdrop of a global pandemic, <laughs> it's quite, you know, and also kind of having spent years kind of in my little warren, essentially making loads of stuff, but not really going particularly public like that too has its anxieties even though it's exciting so it's definitely felt like a time where sort of pretty much everything has kind of piled on but you know that's also something you can really learn from and go through that and hopefully come out stronger so like I'm that, that's what I'm trying to kind of it feels like everything that's happened recently has just drummed home to me again and again that we cannot try and have any hope of controlling life you know and the, and the more we accept that and are just okay with just the fact that so much is going to be out of your hands you know like, I mean it's much easier said than done but just seems to be the eternal lesson in all in all of this you know so have you found like time to to, to kind of immerse yourself in, in in music even more since uh lockdown's been in place it's been a combination. The, the first lockdown last year, I ended up, I was in Glastonbury, actually. Um, it's a long story, but I, and so where I was staying was quite on the outskirts of the countryside. And there was a bird reserve there, which you could actually walk to as part of your daily walk, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got there and initially sort of was like, right, I'm going to just write every day and, but then after a while, I just was kind of like, actually, how, how often am I going to get a chance like this to kind of um, just be, because I was away from my family at this point and, and um, j- just having this so much time where really there weren't an awful lot of responsibilities. I, I've often sort of fantasised about, God, I, you know, when you're really stressed or tired or whatever, you often just think, wouldn't it be amazing if I could just step out of life for a couple of weeks <laughs> and you know and suddenly the first lockdown was almost a bit like that so I, after a while I just sort of stopped trying to force it and was like actually just make the most of this time where you can just go for a walk and stuff like that you know like I was calling my son every day and stuff like that but, but beyond that um but you know and, and then stuff you know then stuff did come out here and there but I, I haven't really been uh forcing it no, I've, t- I've been tending to sort of let stuff just happen. And it's funny when that happens because you, you often think you're not doing a lot, but then you suddenly look back and you're like, oh, right, actually, I've written like an album's worth sort of, you know, yeah. or, or more. Um, you know, that, that is, that's nice when you start being like, oh, there's that track and that, oh, right, yeah, there's definitely like an album or something in here. Um, but you don't really see it like that as it's coming together. Well, whilst talking records, let's... Let's uh, let's start your playlist. And for track one, Fife, I'm going to ask you for the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. I found this really. I thought good, I think it's a good. it's a great question, <laughs> a great question. But I had to think of it quite quickly, and uh, I, I don't. Feel, I mean, I think it's a great track. I, I like. I don't. I feel like as soon as I've done this, I'm going to think. Oh, I should have said that one. You can I have. You think- can have some honourable mentions if 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 it's eating you up. I almost, it's, I felt like I was trying to think of a track that has a really mad cosmic sort of multi-layered intro, but I, can't, I couldn't think of one. I'm sure there are some. And I almost chose Big in Japan by Tom Waits. But then I just thought of this track, Summertime Clothes by Animal Collective, who, uh, I mean, God, yeah. And, it, and intros are so important. And like, 
yeah, I just know this is going to taunt me and I'm going to keep thinking of other things. But <laughs> I do love the intro to this track. It's very, uh, it's very kind of mysterious and beguiling. Um, I, I remember seeing them when Guillemots were at South by Southwest in 2006, right at the start of everything. And I just remember ending up in some marquee with, I don't even know who I was with, and Animal Collective. I'd never heard of them, but they, they were playing and it was just this weird, you know, they're all sort of playing their samplers. And it was just a nice moment. It was like, I'd never heard anything quite like that. And, and I, I think that album in particular, the Merryweather, whatever it's called, Post Pavilion, I can never remember the name, but it has a very distinctive sound. And uh, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be very happy to have, to have made that track and that intro, you know, so. Well, well speaking of you as a, as, as a songwriter, uh, I ask this question to all musicians. It's sometimes maybe tailored more towards, I guess, the, the more poppier edge of the, the the market. But where 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 I'm going with the question is five. Since you know the, the, when Guillemots first sort of come into the public domain, the way that people listen to music was very different to how people listen to music now. Mm. Um, we seem to be in a world where. Younger generations' attention spans, and I say this with the greatest respect, maybe be getting smaller or faster. Uh, and so, I just wonder if any of these changes have affected the way that you make music. I mean, yes, <laughs> but not in the sense of conceding to that. Um, I like. I, I don't necessarily think people's attention spans are shorter i i think people are being that's what's being fed to people of course yeah but i don't i don't necessarily think that actually um i i, I don't know I, I i don't know if it is true that the average 18 year old or whatever or you know actually i know that's what a lot of people sort of think and i i don't know i don't spend enough time amongst <laughs> teenagers and and people of those generations to sort of really know but my sense is that like actually people can always be captivated by something if it's captivating enough but um that side of it hasn't really affected me that side of you know you've got to grab them in the first 10 seconds and you know but but the side of it the, the whole internet thing you heard of the internet? Um it's, no, but that, it's that whole, gonna be big mate I'm telling you oh my god have you seen that interview with um <laughs> With David Bowie and Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> yeah. You know the one I mean? It's amazing. So Paxman's good. like, you're talking about the internet like it's something revolutionary. <laughs> sure, it's just another, another means. <laughs> Bowie's like, it's going to change everything. Everything, the whole relationship between artists and consumers is going to completely... Bro- it's amazing. Like, everything he says is just exactly what's happened. But, like, the, the massive change for me has been that as a kid growing up, dreaming of being a musician for a professional musician or you know a rock star <laughs> you know whatever um the only way you could really do that is is getting a record company to sign you you know you send off demo tapes or cds and and someone signs you and pays for you and puts your records out like that's the you know that, that's the only way really if you're hoping to like make a proper career out of it beyond like sort of just putting out a tiny little indie single or something that was the only way to do it and so you were always sort of you always had to get the approval of these people who were paying for you to you know to do stuff in order to actually release stuff so people could hear it and and uh 
that's just gone now because anyone can make anything and put it in a place where the whole world can hear it. Getting the whole world to know about it is a different matter, and that's PR and all those tricks and luck as well. But still, just being able to do that has completely changed the game for me because like, I found myself, even when Guillemot was really active, I'd be making kind of stuff all the time, but so often it would be like, well, I don't know what any of this is because is it a side project or do I need to find a different label? To And gradually over the last few years, it's just, just this thing has grown. I mean, this I started my own channel a couple of years ago called channelsmychange.com um, and did this Birdwatcher series on it um that's the, the ep that's coming out now some tracks from that but like that was a massive massive deal to me because i had so much music that i'd been cooking up and it was just feeling like oh my god i'm never going to finish any of this because i want to have an orchestra on everything and i wanted to, the millions of things i wanted to do but gradually realizing i can just uh i i would play this stuff to my friends if they visited the studio and i just was like i can treat the whole world like that it's just like right I'm just going to choose some dates. And on that day, I'm going to start every week just broadcasting bits and pieces that um, are as good as I can get them on this day. And, and like being able to do stuff like that is amazing. And, and like the way I did it in the series was I tried to create this weird, surreal, dreamlike universe. And it's only meant anything could go in there. Like, so sometimes to entertain myself, I will be doing weird characters, you know, and that's not even music. Um, and again, before, like, I couldn't have gone to a record company and I'd never have had the audacity to be like, can I release an album of weird spoken word kind of? <laughs> You'd be like, hang on, stay in your lane, you're a musician. But again, just being able to di- do something and press a button and directly share it with everyone, it's just like, well, actually, I can do whatever I want, like, truly. And, and that, to me, that's wonderful. It's um, very, very punk as well, isn't it? It's just completely yeah, DIY. Yeah. I mean, the internet really is pretty punk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in its in its basic essence, obviously the the side of that and with punk is that that gets, you know, it, it gets commercialised in the capitalist world and all that stuff. But like the basic thing of just anyone can share anything with the world is is wonderful. So like that has changed things because before, even if I wasn't consciously limiting my, the scope of my ideas i had to because you know th- like the stuff that i put out in that series that could never have got approval from the record company because they just would have been like who's gonna buy this uh, you know which i understand but the point is if you actually put this stuff out there will always be people i i truly believe if if you as the person making something truly loves it not on an ego trip way, but you know in your soul that it makes you feel something. There's going to be other people out there that yeah. will feel it too, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That was a very long answer, but it's a big question. So, you know, talking to people feeling things, tenuous link there, Fife. I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, this was another tough question because I can't remember a moment where, like the first moment I cried or something, but... I just watched Watership Down the other night with my son, and I remember... God, that. why did you go back there? God, it's heartbreaking. I'm, I mean, I love it. Like, honestly, I, I think it, it's actually really disappointing. It's very hard to find the original film online. I eventually found some weird site, but it's not on, like, Apple TV and stuff, um, the new version, the new series is. But, like, it's amazing, that, that film. 
it's so ahead of its time and and it you know it's a kid's film but really it's it, I, I find it deeply moving but how did, how did your I son remember, yeah, find it five he, 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 yeah, he liked it. I mean, I, I was kind of prepping him. He's like five and a half. And I was like, something that's quite scary. And, but I, you know, this always happens. Whenever I sort of think something's going to have a big impact on him, he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I'm like sat next to him, blubbing. <laughs> I, <you know? laughs> I was really getting emotional in, in the bits where I always get emotional in that film. But I mean, the song Bright Eyes is a part, a big part of that film. And it's just a beautiful song. And I, I mean, I remember that film moving me at a fairly young age, and I'm sure the song was part of that. I just played it last night, actually, and I'm doing these live streams from my studio every Sunday and just played it on the piano. It's, it's you know, it's just a gorgeous song, I think, about, but to me, about, yeah, where we go and we die, you know, which is quite a profound subject for a, for a film, for a song, you know, in a kid's film. I, 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 to be honest, I think that, you know, when I got your list through of your songs, I looked at that and I thought, that's probably mine as well. Like, it's just a, such really, an early memory really. of just being moved, yeah, by a visual right, and the music. Right. Like, I, was, I was really lucky. I got to have this conversation that we're having now with Mike Bat, and he was sat at his piano. Oh, right, right. And, uh, and he was playing it, and he was talking me through, like, you know, Bright Eyes and how it was put together and stuff. Oh, it wonderful. Was, uh, it was quite a, quite a, a lovely thing to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so where was home then, Fife? It was Birmingham, mostly Birmingham, till I was eight, and then Worcestershire, okay, um, Bromsgrove. So Midlands, you know, West Midlands. Nice place to grow up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I when we were in Mosley, I mean, I, I remember I really liking that was quite a big house and with a big garden. And I really liked that. And then when we moved to Worcestershire, it was a less spacious place to live. But um, it, being in the countryside, yeah, I really liked that. And me, me and my mum and dad liked bird watching and so on. And yeah, just being able to kind of go out for walks in the fields and stuff, you know, from, from the house. That was lovely. Um, maybe encouraged that I was probably a bit of a loner as a kid anyway you know it's certainly it's less easy to sort of pop around people's houses to play and stuff when you're living in the countryside but I you know it gave me loads of time to just walk and think and dream and yeah I, I really liked it did you start playing music young I yeah really young like that since I was like three or whatever like that that's always been as long as I can remember knowing anything like it was always clear that was going to be my thing Are your um, parents musical no especially um no it's a funny thing like me and my brothers all ended up doing creative things um but mum and dad I mean d- dad um at uni and so on was very creative and ran you know and I think was head of drama society and stuff but you know as often happened ended up getting a getting a more regular job and, and yeah my mum's very creative too in, in the way she brought us up and been making all kinds of games and you know like that I mean I, I think creativity is within everyone anyway um but no neither of them you know dad will sit down and sort of improvise on the piano a little bit and he's got his own style and I love it but you wouldn't call him a, a musician really uh but yeah it's just one of those weird things I don't, I don't know I I, I you know, 
it was clearly what I was meant to do. And, and there were other things that, you know, I was such a cliche, terrible at sport, <laughs> good at the arts and, and in the top set in most classes, wore glasses in the well, choir. <laughs> Total cliche. Well, that, that, that leads on perfectly then for track three. <laughs> and, and that's the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Fife. Yeah, I mean, I, again, all these questions I had to slightly swerve it just reminds me of being a kid, you know. I, I don't have specific memories of, of music with school necessarily, but just being young, I, I that that was a big track. Uh, well, the whole Beatles thing was a big, like my eldest brother, Alistair, when I was three or four, I remember being in his bedroom in Birmingham, which was like in the attic, and him on this record player just playing me stuff. And I just remember that track and... It just igniting this. I was like all about the Beatles then as a kid, growing up in the eighties. So like the whole eighties things really bypassed me, uh, and I was just listening to the Beatles all the time. And, and it kind of and that yeah, that was kind of the track that kickstarted it all really, I, and also kickstarted their it was the first track on their first album. So it always seems like a kind of you know a fundamental track for me. Unless I saw her standing there. I saw, right? Yeah, sorry, I forgot to say, yeah, I saw her standing there, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's great. Uh, all, all the kind of cliched uh, musician uh, kind of elements that you just touched on uh, about growing up, um, did you enjoy school? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, yes and no. I... I, I I did. I, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that so simply, and it's an interesting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Question. I, did, I, I didn't have a horrible time, but I don't know if I loved it either. Like, I, I was never... Um, I was never like one of the cool kids, you know, and, and kids can be quite vicious. So I definitely, I definitely had, was on the receiving end of a fair amount of bullying, which this isn't a sub story, like lo- lo- loads of kids were, but, um, 
I, I've often thought since, you know, I mean, I, I've, I, I see a therapist and stuff like that. And, you know, you do start looking back and going, I wonder how much of an impact that has on you. You, you, you kind of just suck it up. But when you kind of think, you, you know, there was a spell for a few years when it was quite, I was the kid that was picked on in the class. And you kind of remember things like the, one time that, you know, the class was um, on the first floor and you just remember like, this kid sort of getting my pencil case and like emptying it out so that you have to go down the stem and it's just stuff like that you kind of think god that's actually really quite brutal and I guess it must have had some effect on me but I think um you know by the time I got to kind of 15 16 I sort of reached that point where I started getting a bit more confidence about myself myself and just started thinking I don't care and I'm I know who I am and, and you know and, and and that changed things but um I, I mean I, I definitely feel like I had a fairly happy childhood but I, I think it was quite uh in some ways quite uh I don't want to say lonely because that sounds too negative but quite a solitary one because I I, my, I wasn't an only child but I essentially was because my both my brothers were a lot older than me um yeah I don't know I think I probably had a lot of time to, of being in my head, which is still the case, you know. But you, you, you said that, you know, you started to sort of realise who you was and, and, and get some confidence as you got to sort of 16. Did, did that sort of time with like, you know, a friendship group, finding your tribe, did that, you know, was, was there anything significant about that time that, you know, would have kind of helped that and, and, and nurtured that confidence? Well, uh, I had, a, I had a, a band as well, which came to about the time. And that, you know, just a school band with a terrible name. But, I mean, we actually, we, after we left school, uh, we, John Peel played us. And, like, we had, we had a brief moment of, oh, my God, we're going to make it. But then we split up, you know. But we had a, this tiny moment of exciting success. Um success as in like you know six 15 people bought a record or something but um I think that helped a lot I think when you're at school and you and I actually remember like I still remember the first time someone commented on my voice and that was like quite a because I was awfully shy with you know with girls and everything as well but it was quite nice just yeah like I remember my band playing in the in the school concert, and I, I we it was doing. I was like a real Mannix fan as a teenager, like a proper little angsty kid, and uh, just doing doing this Mannix song. And I just remember this the, this girl I quite fancied afterwards. Like, said, I, think, like, I didn't know you could sing like that, and it was weird because like I always knew music was what I was going to do, but the, the singing it's still I find it weird because it's not. I don't think of myself as a singer. I'm a musician, but it was nice it was a nice feeling. And I was like, Oh, right. Cause I always just thought, Oh, well, I'll find a singer and I'll, I'll be like playing the keyboards and stuff. But it was quite a surprise to me. Did you like, like the attention? I, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. But the, I think I always liked it. I think most musicians or, or performers have this paradox of being quite shy, but then also mm. thriving on the attention. It's a weird kind of, it's lovely getting attention, but it can also make you feel really uncomfortable. It's a really weird mix. Like I, I love being on stage in the context of a gig where people have come to see me. But for example, if I'm at a party or something, which doesn't happen at the moment, but um, 
and someone's like, hey, you're a musician, man, sing us a song. Like, I, I clam up. I'm, 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 I'm better now. I, I'm less precious. Like, I don't know if it's being precious, but whatever it is, I'm better at that. But it used to make me, like, I feel, I feel so shy. Yeah. I think there's something about the idea of out of context kind of being, hey, look at me, which makes me feel, like, really, really uncomfortable. But in a gig concert context, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, playing to a big crowd and say playing a solo song and and just that feeling of utter calm and you're just like wow this is just it's not like power trip when I say control but just this lovely feeling of wow like I'm totally in command of and and we're all in this together and it's it's lovely uh so it's full of contradictions all that just quickly what what manic song did you do (laughs) <laughs> it was little baby and oh! see, that's, why, that's why i'm getting confused about the memory because uh, the, the 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 girl i'm talking about was singing it with us so was she the guy you know what it's like with memories they all get so she about. done the tracy lords bit yeah uh yeah that's yeah. my that's my favorite manic song really <laughs> oh, yeah i love it <laughs> yeah yeah oh it was so like the the, the teenager in me was so excited at, like because when we did festivals with guillemots in you know the late 2000s you start getting to the point where you're meeting these people. And we got to the point with the Mannix where, like, with James and Nicky, I'd sort of, you'd, you'd see them a bit and they'd be like, hey, Fife, oh, oh I love your record. And, like, sort of, the teenager me was like, I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but, yeah. As, 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 you know, obviously, you know, your career in music, you know, accelerated, you know, from, from the, you know, the school assembly and such. And so as much as you said your confidence grew then, you know, sending them CDs off and we've all done it and there's only a, a very, very small amount that get to sign that deal and then get mm. to find themselves on the same bill at festivals as, you know, the bands they grew up listening to. So with that in mind, would you say you're driven? I'm definitely very driven, but um, I'm probably driven by different things now to what I was then. Um and I think when you're doing, well, me being the kind of person I am anyway, like when you're, when you're doing that, you don't necessarily notice the good stuff as much. I mean, I was aware that stuff was happening, but I'd always sort of known slash believed that I was going to be successful in music. And then it happens, but because it doesn't happen to the level where you feel like you've gone completely intergalactic, like part, part of you is like, well, it's, it's happening, but it's not happening as much as I thought it would. And then, you know, obviously the past bunch of years, I've just sort of haven't been releasing anything. And so it, it, it's strange. Cause like, I think um, I'm definitely driven, but like definitely now I feel like I'm driven by something pure. I think maybe when I was younger, there was a little bit more of, of being driven by success and I'd say what success means to me now has even more so become just about the purity of really like if you just have something which is within you which is bursting to get out you know and you you do that like that to me is like the ultimate success if you just feel like that is really true uh and I I of course I'd love to I still have crazy big dreams for what's going to happen over the next decade and i'd love to be you know i'd love stuff to go into galactic still but i i'm less kind of reliant on that for 
I feel much more philosophical about like what, whatever's going to happen is going to happen in that respect. All I care about is that I am, it, it plagued me a lot in the Guillemot's years. And, you know, like I, I just always feel like, geez, I'm only scratching the surface of what I can do creatively. And that has changed now. I've made so much stuff over the last bunch of years that I, and like doing that Birdwatcher series was a big thing. I was like, that really is going as deep as I can go within myself. Like that really is me. This is the sound of, this is how I hear stuff in my head. And, and it's like, that's on a creative level. Like that's the best you can do. So yeah, I'm driven, but maybe in a different way now. Track four. What was the first song you remember buying from a record shop, Five? <laughs> right. So this is, I think this is the first question that actually is a simple answer. Cause uh, it's Tatfer by Cooler Shaker. Because I, 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 I'm being very, I'm being very exact with the answer. I, up until that point, used to go to the library all the time and borrow cassettes and things and copy them, which is what people did. And that that was like the sort of pre-illegal downloads version of of that, you know. So I would do that loads, but I, I, I'm pretty sure the first thing I went into a shop and bought was was that single, which. You know, it's a good track. I, I don't listen to it much these days, but actually, you know. Uh, I'd, I'd say it was the good, best good, thing they done. Thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I didn't follow their career like deeply, but um, I think the intro is probably the best bit, actually, mm. talking about intros. But, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a massively significant record to me, but it was quite exciting. The, the, the Britpop thing was the first time I'd been into something current. Yeah, you know that that was the first time my tastes aligned with what was actually happening at the time. How old would you have been like, then, Five? Fourteen, you know, something yeah. like that. And it was quite exciting, like getting into that as it was happening, and like the whole Oasis versus Blur thing. And you know, it was nice feeling like I was there was actually something happening. And you know, I, I, I um, it's really weird that scene. Um, you know, to to, to sort of. My, my kind of stance on that is I've, I've you know, been a, a promoter and DJ in sort of indie clubs for the last sort of 30 years. And that kind of era, we'd, you know, I'd, we'd got past the kind of thing that was happening where all the attention seemed to be on Seattle and what was happening there. And mid-90s, it, it, it become, you know, what was deemed Britpop. And, you know, my, my club was at the busiest it had ever been and it just felt like everything was super exciting, you know. Blur were making incredible pop records and, and Oasis were, were making this sort of huge wall of sand and there were so many, you know, bands that were on top of the pops that weren't, you know, disposable pop music. It was like mm. bands. It was like, wow. It was like, it just felt like something, you know, for someone that was always an indie kid, it felt really exciting and that this is it. We're, we're peaking. But then when I sort of look back at it now, I think at that point, kind of i'm gonna sound a bit a bit indie wanker here but like it it felt like i mean Noel gallagher famously said when he walked on a um uh nebworth oh shit i've killed, i was there i've killed the indie scene <laughs> like because oh, right. Oh, right. It, it, it felt like that kind of thing that was your little baby like you know oh, no, right. I'm, I'm into indie stuff it was like what felt really sort of personal you know it's just aligned with that kind of thing when you're younger of like Oh no, I, I liked him on the first album. I don't like him anymore. Like everyone likes him now, which mm. is bollocks when you get older. But you know, it, it, it did feel that, like it was the most exciting time, 
you know, as 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 a DJ, I was in bands then, and it was just like, oh, I can just go to Camden with a demo, and and I can give it to like you know, food records. They're they're in the pub. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. and all that stuff just felt really exciting. But when you look at it now, it felt like it kind of got to the biggest it could have got, and then yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say, Fife? I've kind yeah, of, yeah, uh, no, I do, I do. Um... <laughs> But I think that happens quite a lot. That there's always that sort of like you, that strange paradox where you kind of like you you want something to get to a point, and as soon as it gets to it, there's the flip side to it. It's like oh, now it's become the opposite. Like I do know what you mean, but I mean I think um, you know the good stuff from that scene has aged really well. I mean, like I, I, it's a. It's a strange, you know, like in in some ways you look back and it's like, oh, you know, it wasn't that musically inventive, maybe compared to, or, you know, compared to a lot of stuff or, or stuff. But I don't know, like some of, some of the record. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I just watched the Oasis documentary the other day and I still, yeah, I think it's beautiful that, what, they have, what they did when they started off. And, Incredible. And, and a song like Common People as well, like you hear now, and it's still that shivers, you know. I, mean, it's I, like, I, you know, I think... You know, I think that's the greatest pop record ever made. All right, so one, you know, like it's it's just thinking about it. Even it's like, ooh, that's. Uh, and you need you yeah. need the the the, the middle eight bit. The you'll never yeah. understand how it feels to live your life. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. No, it's. I mean, you know, like that's. So I mean, I, you know, I think loads of great stuff came out of that time. But um, but you know, I can see the whole sort of weird retro thing and the sort of lad culture and all that was a bit, you know, but like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not the person to talk to about it, really. Mm. I'm no expert, but I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, it was. It was like I say. It was the first time I, I was feeling like I was actually tuned into what was happening currently, which is which is kind of exciting. Well, I've just sort of touched on sort of DJing and stuff like that, so I'm going to ask you uh, about <laughs> about clubbing. Um, and, right, uh, and you've done that that kind of weird laugh that a lot of musicians I've spoke to do before they they uh, they, they kind of give me a, a kind of s- a different answer for this one. So, uh, Fife, what is the song that soundtrack your years clubbing? Right. Well, I've chosen "Hunter" by Bjork, which I will explain why. I was not a big clubber at all, um, not in any kind of uh, snooty way or anything. I was. It was a mix of reasons. I think part of me just wasn't, I don't know, I've, I'm such a comfort lover and I've never been, like I said, I was never like a sort of cool kid or whatever. But like my friends, who I'm still friends with now, they all got really into it. But those years, it kind of, A, there was a side of me that just like, you know, like Friday night would be the big night for going out. And I sort of didn't want to because I always, my mum always made this pie on Friday nights that I really <laughs> liked. And I'd always want to, I'd always want to like have that first and then going out after that. I don't know. And I just like, and, and the, I don't know what we can talk about in this podcast, but even like the drugs side of it, like kind yeah. of, well, the, the pills, the idea of pills and everything just sort of scared me because it was like, you don't know what you're taking. And like, I was never one of those kids that was just like, I bring it on. I'll just take anything. I was always quite, you know, I, I you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not a straight edge guy, but like, I, I, I'm quite cautious in that respect, like with anything that could be quite heavy. Sure. Um, 
And like the music at that point, like I was, I'm much more into kind of electronic music now, but like, uh, yeah, I tell, it's, but also, also I was even at that age, even at, you know, certainly when I left home and, you know, I was very focused on music then and initially the band I was in at school, like trying to make that happen. And then when that didn't happen, trying to get a solo thing going, you know, which took years, but, um, and even in the early Guillemot days, my gang from school was still, you know, right into their sort of early 30s were like caning it in mm. London. But I was, it's this weird irony that I was busy on tour with Guillemot and you'd think being on tour in a band would be like, well, I'd be having this crazy debauched time, but I just wasn't really like that. The rest of the band were a lot more party animals, but I've, I've always been, I don't know, I almost came to that side of life a little bit more as I got older, but I think I always felt like there was too much to do as well. Like, like, like being on, on tour, like I was very aware with the band that like stuff did sort of, I had, I had to hold stuff together in a way, you know, it's like if something goes wrong on stage or whatever, it's going to be very much like I'm the one that's got to sort of, you know, figure out how to keep the show going and you know and I, I just there was more pressure and I'm not trying to I, I just for whatever reason like every I, of band needs that person been... though I do right. think every band needs that one person that that kind of takes takes that on the kind you know takes it on their shoulders that you know it, it needs someone that can kind of you know steer the ship a bit and yeah you, you can't all go off and get raucous and have a dip but I mean you know, I, I, it's not like I was... I'd certainly had my times with, with, with the guys and with my friends, and I just never quite got into it all as much as, you know, it, I feel like that whole scene skipped past me by a bit. I just never, you know... And when I hear about, you know, you hear people talking about the early 90s and the Hacienda and everything, and it sounds amazing like that. I totally get the appeal of it. But, I mean, this was a different time anyway. Uh Anyway, I chose um, Hunter by Bjork because at that age, 19, 20 or whatever, when a lot of my friends were... Like, I didn't go to uni either, and I think that's another thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't end up going. I was going to study English. I got a place, but I ended up deciding not to because I, I knew I didn't want to study music and risk killing my love of it through studying it too much. So I ended up living in Cheltenham because the band I was in at the time... Our drummer lived there and the bassist was at uni in Bristol nearby. So I got a job playing piano in a nightclub. Um, and, but anyway, I, I remember in that time uh, when the band was still going and we were just like guitar bass drums. I remember getting homogenic by Bjork uh, and coming back to the house I was living in and putting it on. And I still sort of remember sitting there on the sofa and just being like, <gasps> like mouth open kind of just floored by the sound and like hunter is the first track on the album so i just associate that's the time i sort of think of as like well that's probably the era when a lot of people my age would have been there sort of peak clubbing and everything but that's something i remember from that time as being a real like okay wow that's what you can do with sound and, and suddenly feeling like the band i was in was kind of redundant because it's like how, you know, when trying to make original music and then listen to this, it's like, why are we bothering? Like, you can't do that with just a guitar and a bass. And a, um, 
so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite a pivotal moment that. So it's a bit of a swerved answer to your question, but it's a yeah. great record though. It is. It's great. Yeah. So I'm going to take you home, five for track six, and a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah, I had to sort of look this up because I was trying to think because I know Birmingham. I was thinking about ELO and. But I looked up and apparently uh, it's when it came to Worcestershire, it was saying that a couple of the guys from Duran Duran were from actually quite near where I lived. I think from around Redditch Way, which is quite near Bromsgrove. And I just, yeah, Ordinary World. It's actually a song I've been covering quite a lot in some of my streams. And you really find a song sometimes when you play it on the piano. And like, uh, I just think it's a beautiful song. Uh, I'm not like a massive Duran Duran fan or anything. Like, I'm not that familiar with i don't like know their albums and stuff but i think it's a really wonderful song i I think that's a fantastic single and and i think it was definitely one of the ones that kind of you know they had a few points where they sort of i guess obviously in the the early to mid 80s they they dominated the world of pop and and then i think they sort of returned a little while later with some noel rogers produced stuff and then that i think dropped maybe 93 92 93 ordinary world i think and it's just a perfect record, isn't it? It's just... Well, and it, it, it was... I found it quite moving when I, I was playing it. I was doing live streams when I was in Glastonbury as well last year and, like, playing the song, and it, it felt so current, the lyrics, you know? <laughs> There's an ordinary world, like, you know, like, that, that idea of, like, it's out there somewhere, like, you know, this, just what's going on, you know, where... where I can't remember all the words but you know that idea of like where where is the life that i knew gone you know that sense it felt like it had been written about this time so um it's got that really simple but brilliant solo as well Uh, yeah so lovely Uh, yeah and uh, have you heard the track that followed that uh the single after that come undone no that's no. a that's a really beautiful record as well. That was the single that right. followed that. Yeah, if you get a chance. Give that one a give that one a spin, Fife. Like, I will lovely. do. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, you get to play DJ for your last track. And, uh, and it's, ah, it's, yes. it's your opportunity to, uh, to turn someone on to something new. So it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please, Fife. Yeah, it's a song. I think I first heard it on Jarvis Cocker's show on Six Music a few years back when he had a show. 
It's To Live and Die in Levenland by Jackie Levin, who I don't know too much about. I know he was a, I think he was Scottish. A he sort was, of yeah. Folk, folk singer, songwriter kind of guy. And I, I haven't yet, I really should go deep and start checking out all his albums and everything. But as often happens, you sometimes just hear one track and it just, I just, it just, it was one of those things that just really captivated me. It's, it's really beautiful. And it, it somehow sounds like he knows he's going to die soon. And I think it probably was one of the last recordings he did. I think that album was probably the last thing he did. And it, oh, it's just, it's funny because the, there are elements to the production which, in, you could you could sort of say are quite naff, like the, the certain sounds, like it's kind of got that sort of DI acoustic guitar sound, and some of the keyboard sounds are quite. But I think it's beautiful. I mean that that how I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as like a bad idea or a bad sound or a bad. It's all about context, and it's like on those Leonard Cohen late records that he's using sounds that could be considered naff, but it's kind of perfect because he sounds so sort of old and. Mm. And it's the same with this guy, like the way he's singing, it sort of sounds almost like he's kind of been smoking for years and is running out of breath. And but it, it's just a very, very moving song. And, and the, the lyrics, I, I don't know if I can quote it exactly. There's this one bit where it goes, and when I, when I die, please bury me in Frankfurt's Gothic cemetery, the one across the road from the Holiday Inn, so I can hear the people checking in, so I can hear the elevator whistling by. Something, something as it touches the sky, so I can hear the people in the lobby bar first drink after parking the car. And just saying that, it's giving me shivers. It's just like, it's such a beautiful, oh, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Like, it's, it's something very, very loving about that. Like, let me hear people having their first drink after they've, there's something in that that's very, um, He's 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 got to a place in his life where he's tuned into a sort of mass consciousness, if you know what I mean. He's gone beyond his ego with lines like that, and it's it's yeah, it's very moving for me. Well, Fife, we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast with with all your picks and, and, and the other records that we've chatted about, so listeners can go and listen to them all. Um, as we find ourselves uh, trundling into twenty twenty one, recording this. Uh, um, the 15th of Feb uh, and so Fife what are you hoping for from 2021 and, and what, what's happening professionally as well just starting to put out a ton of stuff like this whole channels may change thing for me I mean it's, it's a website but it's also my kind of company it's actually we've made it an official company now and it's it's a really nice feeling it's like right this is the hub and so it's a record company. We're putting the records out on Channel May Change Records. And we've just made this video for the first song that's come out, which is called Woe Life. And I'm so proud of the video. And like, it's, it's um, so lovely to kind of match music with visuals that really go with it. Um, and really the idea is to just, I just want to stream of stuff to come out. Like there's so much music bubbling up and, that's been the big thing these last few years, just getting out of that album cycle where you kind of, how it would have been 10 years ago or whatever, like where it's sort of record for, but write for a bunch of months then record for a bunch of months then tour. I just want to be at a point where there's constantly, you're just dropping things out and things are happening all the time and it's a constant sort of flow. So that really, that's what 
this year is going to be about just just getting all kinds of bits and pieces out there you know and, and i'm sure there will be albums in amongst it but it's less focused on are you doing an album it's more just like a song here an ep there a collaboration here a video here a, you know um and and obviously doing live shows again would be amazing but um but i'm enjoying live streaming it's not the same but it's better than nothing and where can people find out about all of this? What was the address for the, the website? Channels, channelsmaychange.com is my website. And that, yeah, the Birdwatcher series on there, it's all free to listen to, to stream or download. And that was really important to me, actually. I felt like if I was charging people, you've got a responsibility to kind of give them something they're expecting, maybe. And like, I wanted to just feel so free. So that's on that. And like, it's very dear to me. And, I, you know, uh, the, this EP, the Birdwatcher EP is coming out soon uh and that's a bunch of tracks that are from the first couple of episodes of the series and then we're just going to follow it with you know there's a another couple of songs that i wrote the start of last year that are coming out there's an album a random improvised piano vocal record that's coming out there's a new song i'm going to finish like it's just going to be this stream starting so every few weeks there's something happening you know um it's just nice to start getting stuff off my computer and onto spotify's and things you know five best of luck with it all and it's been, thank you it's been lovely talking records with you mate. yeah thank yeah, you so likewise. much for your time. really nice that's all right okay take care five <laughs> all right thank bye-bye. you bye-bye there you go what an absolute gentleman Fife was. That was a lovely chat. And uh, and honestly, go check out the bird watching stuff. It's incredible. And yeah, I look forward to seeing, you know, everything that he's got coming up. I love the concept of bucking the kind of, you know, the stringent rules of, you know, record, release, tour. It's like, well, hang on a minute. You know, the way that people are listening to music now, why not just drop an EP, drop a collab, you know, just drop these bits and pieces as they come. It's... Uh, you can do that now as obviously you know that's how we started this conversation talking about the kind of simplicity of you know that DIY culture now it's yeah it's it's definitely something uh, you know I think so many creatives have have benefited from this weird situation that we're, we're in that you know you can do so much more and it's yeah it's uh it was an absolute pleasure talking to Fife as I said at the beginning it was a, a conversation when I set up this podcast that he was definitely on my list of someone that I wanted to chat to so yeah, uh, I hope you got as, you know, an, a fraction of the pleasure listening as I did uh, having that conversation. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, please give us a like, love, share, retweet on the socials and, and go and explore the back catalogue. And yeah, and just be excellent to each other. And you can uh, find out everything you need to know about this podcast at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. 
All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Hey, the 